Uh, if we've not be met before, my name is Sean. I'm one of the pastors here. Well done for coming along this afternoon. It's so easy to get in onto a Sunday afternoon, check out, but you've chosen well to be with the people of God. Uh, God is not on a lull on a Sunday afternoon. He's still at work in our lives. He longs to capture our affections and our attentions. You're not here by chance. I'm honestly believing, I've been preparing all week, up at, uh, early this morning to pray for us all, that you're going to encounter God as we finish our series in 1 Peter, that we're not just fizzling out because it's a half marathon Sunday, but we're believing there's going to be a deposit that we're building on in our next sermon series. And so there's less people in the room now, so I need you to catch a deposit. Are you okay with this? I hope you've got as much faith for this. I know I've had a long run at it, no pun intended. <laughs> I've been thinking about this afternoon longer than you. And so we're going to talk from uh, 1 Peter chapter 5. I'm going to go through the whole chapter. But initially, I'm going to talk to just a very narrow group of people. And then I'm going to widen it. And you can choose whether you're in that wider group. And then I'm going to talk to all of us. You, you good with that? So I'm going to talk to a very narrow group. Then another group that's a little bit wider. You get to choose if you're in that or not. It will be clear when I get to it. And then... Uh, we're going to zip on to the rest of us, all of us. I'm going to pray. I feel so energized in God. It just takes a few people to release the kingdom of God. We've got more than a few people. Online, the room is in good heart. We wish you were with us. I'm looking forward to the day when you're with us. But right now, I want to let you know the room is in good heart. Holy Spirit, would you come powerfully upon every person in this room, every household represented. We pray for everyone online. Holy Spirit, whether in a small household right now, at large, whether looking in on their own or with others, I bless you in Jesus' name. Reading Family Church, I bless you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, we believe you're going to do a work in us this afternoon. Help me to finish my sentences. I pray for good soil of people's hearts to receive the word of God. And I pray for harvest, 30, 60, 100-fold of what is sown this afternoon. We pray that for our children, for our young people, and especially us, those who are listening live, and for those on Catch Up too. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope I have whetted your appetites. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through to 4. So I exhort the elders among you, this is Peter, the great apostle writing, inspired by the Holy Spirit. He is now writing, concluding his letter, which has been circulated around many churches. He writes this, So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God, that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, 
but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. If you're unfamiliar with the book of 1 Peter or with even the person Peter, Peter uh, was an apostle of Jesus Christ, one of the 12. But he was also, by this point, he was an established elder in a local church, such that as an elder, he must be quite well known, he was able to write a letter and it to be circulated among numbers of churches and refer to himself as a fellow elder. And people would have understood that. They would have known that Peter was both an elder in the church, but he was also an eyewitness. An eyewitness of Jesus, yes, but also of Jesus' suffering. Remember, Peter, I mean, this suffering theme is right shot through the book of 1 Peter. Peter saw Jesus praying in Gethsemane. He was in such anguish, it looked like there was drops of blood through his prayer. Peter saw Jesus after he had denied him three times in that courtyard and said after the third time that he denied him, he caught Jesus' eye. And he saw Jesus, presumably the moment after Peter had denied him three times. Peter was one of his closest friends. Can you imagine the anguish of Jesus? He's not a robot. His close friend had just denied him three times. And in that moment, Peter catches his eyes. Peter saw something in Jesus on his denial that left him distressed afterwards. He saw something of the agony of Jesus of being betrayed by himself. It's not clear if Jesus witnessed the crucifixion, uh, if Peter witnessed the crucifixion. But Jesus did transfigure himself as Jesus did reveal his glory to Peter. Peter, with a few others, saw Jesus transfigured where his glory was revealed for all to see. Peter also heard John, uh, uh, Jesus say to him, you will see me in my glory and you will share in my glory. Peter was this eyewitness of both the sufferings of Christ and the glory of Christ and a promise by Jesus that he's going to see and share in the glory of Christ when he returns. So Peter is someone to listen to. Peter is someone who knows what he's talking about. Peter knew the good shepherd He knew the good shepherd and he knew what it is to mess up big time and not to be cancelled and ignored but gathered back up and reinstated and established. Even to hear, I knew Peter, I will build my church. Jesus gathered Peter back into the fold. And this Peter... He encourages his fellow elders, Peter, who'd seen all of this. He says to them, care for the flock that is entrusted to you. That's what he says. He calls to the elders who are receiving this circular letter. He says to them, care for the flock. Now, our church also has elders. And our church also has been entrusted with elders who in turn have been entrusted to care for the flock. And I want us to create a moment just to see those whom God has raised up as elders and we're going to get them to do some things. So can I have Scott, Andy, Andy, Mark, David and Richard, please could you stand up.
Awkward moment there. There we are. So these are the elders of the church. Richard, unfortunately, can't be with us today. But many of us have known Richard. He's been with us for 16 plus years. So here are the under-shepherds. And we have been charged by Peter on behalf of Jesus himself to care for the flock. Fellow elders, we are not hired hands. We don't just get paid in money to do a job and we run away when the wolves come. That that, that is not what we're about. You know that. I know that. And they know that. But some things need to be said. We are under shepherds. We're not the shepherds of this flock. We're under shepherds. We're under the good shepherd. And we... We have a duty of care for these people. Under shepherds, let's have a little look around. It's just a metaphor. Sheep, have a look at these under shepherds. A motley looking bunch of people. And we're going to make some declarations to honor Christ and to honor you. So you've heard us say these things. And you can call us on this. And you can look us in the eye. I heard you say, call us on this. Because we have been charged by the Good Shepherd to do this. Fellow elders, Simon, if you could put the first one up, join with me as we say this. We will watch over RFC willingly, not grudgingly. Let me say that again. I didn't rehearse that very well, did I? I told it was happening. After three, we'll all go together. And if we could do it in a way that sounds we've got some conviction, (laughs) and if we could do it in a way that those at the back can hear it, that would be really great. There's some very red-faced elders here, including myself. In my mind, this is going to be epic. (laughs) Okay, we're with this. One, two, three. We will watch over RFC willingly, not grudgingly. The next one, Simon. I'll count us in. One, two, three. We will be eager to serve God and not for what we get out of it. Thirdly, one, two, three. We will lead by good example and not lord it over people. Fellow elders, Jesus, the good shepherd, is our example. He confronted sin, but he never shamed people. Please, we need the wisdom of Solomon, don't we? To confront sin, but never shame people. He was always amongst the wrong people. You know what I mean by that. Those who seem far from God, far from being accepted by everybody else, that's where he found himself. The the good shepherd is our example. And Jesus, the chief shepherd, he is our hope. The chief shepherd is coming back. 
And we are going to give an account for our shepherding of his flock. It's not our flock. It's his flock here at RFC. And by grace, this will be a good day for us. An unfound, unfading crown of glory. An inheritance that will never fade or wither will be ours eternally. And all of that by grace. All of that by grace. Elders, please sit. Church, I just want to let you know as under shepherds, you are well served. They are not perfect, but as best they're able, they love Christ. And as best they're able, they're trying to be wise under shepherds. As best we can with the cards we've been dealt with. As best we are able. So initially I said, I'm going to talk to just a few people. We can move on now. You now get to choose. Verse 5. Likewise, you who are younger. You who are younger, be subject to the elders. I'm 54. Just to help you categorize yourself. If you Are you any younger? I don't know. Slightly awkward to push that point. Anyway, likewise, those of you who are younger, those of you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Now, I'm aware that's a bold verse. We teach the Bible here. You know, we preach what it says. We're explaining it to you. We're not dodging issues. We're just trying to work our way through the book faithfully. And the Bible does say, be subject to the elders. And I know, I know, I know, I know, for some of you, you're wriggling in your seats even now. Few of us like the idea of submitting. And we definitely don't like submitting to distant and impersonal authorities. But I just want to be really honest with you. The elders of this church are not distant and impersonal authorities. Some of you, you've been watching my life for 20 years. You've seen my marriage, you've seen my parenting. You know what I'm good at and you definitely know what I'm not good at. We are not distant and impersonal people. I just want to say that before we get any further. You know us and we know you. So the Bible says, Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Likewise indicates that in the same way that faith is required for slaves to honor their master. Do you remember that earlier when we looked at that? It needs faith for a slave to honor their master. Just as wives need to exercise great faith and submit to their husbands. And just as husbands need to exercise great faith and love their wives as Jesus loved the church. who you know, Jesus laid down his life. In the same way that faith is exercised there, so are younger people. Those who are younger, not younger people. Those who are younger need to exercise faith. And have a general willingness. It's probably about the hardest I could push it. You need to have a general willingness to support the elders whose life and their example are known. I just want to be really straightforward. on. I've got to preach what the Bible says. 
It feels like I'm self-promoting. I'm not. I'm teaching you God's word, which is why the words are still up behind me now. You've got to come to an answer to this. This is what we're preaching. Now, why is Peter telling this group to be submissive to authority within the church? Well, Mark Twain, an American, put it like this. I'm not sure why American. I didn't need to say that, really. That's got no bearing on it at all. Mark Twain put it like this. When I was a boy of 14, my father was so ignorant, I could hardly stand to have the old man around. But when I got to be 21, I was astonished at how much the old man had learned in seven years. (laughs) I mean, that was my story of teenagers. The writer of Hebrews puts it like this. This is Hebrews. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls. As those who will have to give an account, let them do this with joy and not with groaning. We want to lead you with joy, not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. It is in your best interest to be easy to lead. That's what the Bible is saying. Too straightforward? Everyone's sitting there thinking, man, I'm getting punched. and It's not even six o'clock. Why did I come this afternoon? In 1998, I remember the date because it was so exquisitely painful for me. I remember sitting in an elders meeting in what is now called Kerith Community Church. And I was effectively the deacon for evangelism and leading a 20s ministry with Liz. And it was epic. I'll be honest. It was epic. You know, we were growing. I was seeing people saved at work. You know, the cutting edge of church life was basically happening in my front room. Liz was in it as well, but basically it was in my front room. <laughs> and I can remember sitting in this elders meeting and they made a decision and I just shared my wisdom with them. And I just rebuked them for the decision they made and also the tone of voice in which they made that decision. And I can only say... That eating humble pie fed to you by their elders doesn't taste good. It was just like this horrific moment. It was out of my mouth. There's something about being younger. There's something about, you can clearly see this is the main thing the church should be caring about. And it's so obvious. The church is really straightforward. But there's this one thing that I was owning in 1998. There is something brilliant about youth. And there's also something pretty simplistic about being younger. And we just need to sit with that tension as we read God's words. So likewise, those of you who are younger, just be subject to the elders. Be, have a general willingness to go with them. So I've talked about, first of all, to a few, to some more And now to all of us. All of us. Verse 5 through to 7. All of us. Let's just think about humility. Humility. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time, he may exalt you, 
casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Throughout scripture, if you're doing the Bible in the air or God's big story, you'll pick up on this refrain that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. It's really uncomfortable. He opposes, not like he doesn't like, he opposes the proud but he gives grace to the humble. Let me say that more pointedly. God is not indifferent to pride. He opposes it. God is not indifferent to humility. He blesses it. In Peter's day, slaves tied on an apron whenever they're doing menial tasks, which is what Jesus did. You know when he washed his disciples' feet, no one else would want to do it. So he girded himself up, tied something on. That's the language of this. When he washed his disciples' feet. Friends, we need to see and grow in a conviction of that the apron of humility becomes the garment of honor. We just don't want to believe it. If you want to put on a garment of honor, you've got to tie on an apron of humility. And humility is more than an absence of pride. Humility is more an awareness of your limitations, although I hope those things are there. Humility attracts God's grace. Humility just attracts his unearned, unmerited, unending favor for your life. I want to say it again. God's favor comes on people through their humility, not their gifts, and definitely not their strength. If you want to know the favor of God, pursue humility. When I cycle a bike, I like to put on a high-vis vest. Not this one. This is a Reading Family Church one. They won't let me have one of these. <laughs> when I grow up, I'm going to get one of these. And I wear this so people can see me. When you clothe yourself with humility, you just stand out to God. If you've clothed yourself in humility this afternoon, I'll tell you what, it's as if you've got a high-vis vest on and God says, oh, there they are. I'm going to bless them. Amen. That, that is literally, that's what the Bible teaches. He's really gifted. Oh, they're strong. They're sorted. Where, where are they? Ah, the high-vis. You want one now, don't you? Look at that, it's got it on the back. For those online. I mean, the person writing this, just so we just don't forget, is Peter. You know, Mr. Proud, I will never deny you. Everyone else, they're going to forsake you. And we've all, I mean, it's me, 1998 in Bracknell, that's me, isn't it? I've got it all figured out. I will never deny you. And then if... He's in the abyss. 
of three denials and then sees Jesus and the pain it caused him. I mean, was, I mean, after that event, maybe you think, do you else think like this? After that event, each time Peter heard a cock crow, what went on in his brain? He must have gone from the shame to the wonder of grace. Once he'd humbled himself, that's what he would have done, I'm guessing. Christ's stunning grace. Every time a cock call crows, humble and restored, Peter, and this is Peter, he is now urging them to clothe themselves with humility towards one another by tying on a servant's apron. And even then, that's just doing what Jesus did. We've got to humble ourselves before others. You know, if you're part of RFC, if you're part of our beloved church family, we're supposed to be clothing ourselves with humility towards each other. So turn to the person around them, give them a poke, and say, I want to clothe myself with humility towards you. Give them a poke. Husbands and wife are delighted now. Come on, give them a good poke for Jesus. Okay, here's the next one. Now poke them and say this. I'm going to try and consider your needs being met as more important than my needs being met. Give them a poke. I'm going to try. Come on. If we can stop the poking, that would be great. Can you please stop poking each other? That would be helpful. Now that comes over to a little bit fun. But actually it's incredibly hard, I've found, after 20 years serving as a pastor in the church. It's really hard to think that your needs are more important than mine. I'll be honest with you. Because I have to turn up, you know, most Sundays each year and care about you. And sometimes you're really selfish. (laughs) And you make really dumb decisions. And you want me to care. And you want me to meet you at a time that's good for you. Listen to you. Hopefully I'll say the right thing, something what you think is really wise and helpful. I probably won't. I'll just get in your face. And then you don't ask me back. And you invite another pastor. And do the same to them. Now I'm having some fun with you. I'm just saying it's really hard to do this. And I've been doing it for 20 years. And I'm going to keep going for at least another decade in Jesus' name. If that's his call on my life. That's really hard. And some of you are just getting going in this game. It is proper hard. But we're not on our own. More of that later. A legitimate concern when we consider others as more important, their needs more important than our own, is we ask ourselves, who's going to care for me? If I'm honest with you, who's got my back? Because if I'm meeting all your needs, who... Has anyone got my back? Or am I just at the top of the tree now? And I've got to care for everybody else. The Bible clearly teaches that God will care for you. God, he will care for you. More than that, he wants to. You're not forcing an arm up his back. He's not like me. He wants to care. 
It's in his very nature to care for you. Best of all, his hand is mighty. (laughs) Come on, it's worth more than that. His hand is mighty. I think they're all asleep in the room online. His hand is mighty. That is good news. When you humble yourself before God, when you acknowledge your need, when you cast your cares upon him, what do we do? We provoke his nature. We, we provoke it. He will care for you. He wants to. And his hand is mighty. And he, the Bible says this. He will lift you up. Let him care for you. Let him exalt you. Let him vindicate you. This is not a self-help, self-promotion game that we're in. We trust in God. We trust in God. First, for all of us, let's think, first of all, I'm going to take this off now. Humility. And now resistance for all of us. We need to think about resistance. Verse 8 says this, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith. Be watchful, church. Stay alert. I'm guessing Peter still remembers Falling asleep at the Garden of Gethsemane. Another Peter epic fail. You know, his spirit was willing, but his flesh was weak, wasn't it? He's asleep again. Peter says there is an enemy. And this enemy is like a roaring lion. That is prowling around. And it's not like a cute Simba at Pride Rock. Oh, let's pick him up. He's so lovely. That's not the line of the Bible, of this enemy. It is a devouring lion. I'm guessing it's the line of the Roman amphitheaters, the lines that crush bones, that tears limbs, the line that's so provoked it kills because of its nature, the line that's prowling around seeking someone to devour. The Bible says the devil is prowling around looking to steal and to destroy and to devour. And by his very nature, he hates those made in God's image. There's something about us that enrages him because God has set his love upon us and we're made in his image. We enrage him. But church, we need to remind ourselves we are not defenseless captives in an arena We are in Christ. We are covered by his blood. We can put on the full armor of God, the helmet of salvation and the breastplate of righteousness and the shield of faith and the sword of the spirit and the belt of truth and feet fitted with the with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We can make our stand, and when we've put that all on to make our stand, we stand firm. This is this is what we can do. Our faith can be, in fact, our faith must be, it's got to be like a solid wall that resists the enemy's attacks. That's what we're supposed to be like. That's our faith. I want to be really clear with you. I have seen demons. 
I've looked into people's eyes and, and a demon has been looking back at me. It, it, it sends you chills down your spine when that happens. It is real. The, I, I know what it is, to, like a demon's, like, like a lion prowling openly in an amphitheater. I have seen and encountered their brazen fury and power against me. I've been in a meeting and I've known a darkness and a fear descend on me in a moment and felt like I was being crushed. And, the, the, and just a sense of this is a demonic attack that is real. I've known that, I've experienced that, such a brazen attack, yet it can be scary. It can produce fear and anxiety and a sense of oppression. They are powerful weapons that they use. Our enemy is cunning and evil and active and amongst us at times. And these lions aren't just brazen, but they also, as if it were, stalking us. Hiding in the undergrowth of life. They creep up close and then pounce. It's as if the enemy is hidden until the very last moment. As if they disguise themselves in apathy and laziness. And the busyness of life delivered by the TV and technology and social media. Our enemy uses weapons of slander and lies. And sometimes he comes and there's violent, bizarre actions or, or even just a stubborn promotion of false teaching or sudden, unexplained onslaughts of flaming darts. Where did that come from? But they have not and they will not separate nor overwhelm us. Amen. Christ's blood covers us. Christ's blood covers you. But we need to be alert. About five, six weeks ago, I mentioned pornography. Do you remember that? If you're a guy, I said, reach out to me. Five guys have reached out to me. I'm just kind of helping them get free. I just sense there's a demonic attack in our church around pornography. And I think way more people are caught up with it than they let on because they just feel full of shame. We will not shame you. We want to just expose the enemy schemes, whether you're a man or a woman. We just want you set free of pornography. We don't want shame in it. We just want to set you free. Spoke to someone literally, I contacted someone literally yesterday. They've been more free this past few weeks than they have have been for a long time, they said. I said, you've been on a good run. I mean, that's good news, isn't it? The enemy schemes coming, uh, just being exposed. People set free. A few weeks ago, I had a credit card stolen. I didn't even know it. The first I knew of it, the police phoned me up and said, Mr. Green, we've got your credit card. <laughs> no money was taken, and the person has now pleaded guilty. They're in court. They're going to be charged. The point being, since that phone call, I've, I now know where my wallet is and my credit cards. I am way more alert since I've been stolen from. I've even, on my banking app, set up like a text at each time the credit card is used. Whenever Liz goes shopping now, I get text updates. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. <laughs> I am way more alert because I've been robbed. Listen, we haven't anyone wants to do more than rob from you. He wants to devour you. 
destroy you. Stay alert, Peter says. Watch out. Third thing I want to say to all of us about clothe yourself with humility, resist, is about suffering. I mean, this is a strong theme. To put just briefly, resist him. Verse 9 to 11, resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. We want to say clearly, like Andy said last week, suffering is part of following Jesus. As it was for the master, so it will be for the apprentice. As it was for Jesus, so it was for Peter. I mean, Jesus said to Peter, Peter, when you're older, you'll reach out your hand. Someone's going to dress you and they're going to lead you where you don't want to go. And he said this to show by what kind of death that he was going to glorify God. And after saying that, Jesus said to Peter, you follow me. I've just told you, you're going to be led to your death for my glory. Now you come and follow me. As it was for Jesus, so it is for Peter. So it will be for us. Now suffering isn't appealing, but it always has a purpose in Christ. 2 Corinthians 4.17 says this, For this light, compared to the eternal age to come, for this light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. When you start to suffer, you lean into 2 Corinthians 4.17 as never before. It can be redeemed. It can be worked for good. It can prepare for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Once again, Peter reminds his readers that suffering is part of discipleship. I want to say, if you haven't listened to Andy's message last week, his 13 lessons from suffering, you need to hear that. Because what's really obvious is that those who pursue humility, those who resist our enemy, will also suffer. It's not that, you know, if you're humble, resist the enemy, you won't suffer. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible says if you are humble, if you resist the enemy, you will suffer. As it was with Jesus, so it was with Peter, so it will be with us. So in conclusion, how is Peter landing this circular letter to numbers of churches that he's writing to? He says this, stand firm. By Sylvanus, a faithful brother as I regard him, I've written briefly to you, exhorting and declaring that this is the true grace of God. Stand firm in it. She who is at Babylon, who is likewise chosen, sends you greetings. And so does Mark, my son. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. Sisters, brothers, the Christian life is all of grace. 
The Christian life is God daily giving his blessing, his strength, his forgiveness, his help, and his fellowship to us. All of which we need, none of which we deserve. I want to say that again. It is God daily giving us his blessing, his strength, his forgiveness, his help, and his fe- God's fellowship he gives to us. All of which we need, none of which we deserve. So whether you're in the belly of the beast in Babylon, presumably that's a reference to the church in Rome, or in one of the Roman provinces in what was then modern-day Turkey, far from the perils of Rome, all need to daily trust in that grace and daily to be obedient by faith. Whether you're elders, whether you're younger, whether you're Peter, Sylvanus, or Mark, by faith, we are all part of God's household, living as foreigners and aliens in a broken world. And right now, before we sing a song, have we got time for a song? No time for a song. Right now, we're going to end this meeting. We're going to greet each other with Christian love. We're going to share the peace with one another in Jesus' name. Now, I, when I first got saved, I went to an Anglican church. One of the many great things about the Anglican church is they've got rituals and liturgy, and they share the peace with each other. Is, it, is anyone familiar with the peace? Great, enough of us. What we're going to do... We're going to just spend two minutes just turning to those around us. Maybe, and we're going to, if you're able to, please can you stand? If you're able to, please could you move into the aisle? I know, I know, it's crazy. We're foreigners and aliens in a world. And we should be good at this. We're just going to do cursory hellos and just... Say to people, I bless you in Jesus' name, or the peace of God upon you, or say uh, some other blessing. We're the family of God, and we're finishing our series in 1 Peter by moving into a bit more space than we are. We moved a bit more space, and just walk around saying, God's peace rest upon you. I bless you in Jesus' name. We're going to just do that for about 90 seconds, and just do a transactional moment with as many people as you can in a meaningful way. Let's do that now.